Well, good evening. It's good to be back. It is really, really good to be back. It was um, interesting. There we are. It was interesting being away for the very first time. And I mentioned it in the video last week, but I just, I have to say, it was just so amazing watching my Little Hills family rally and just see worship go on and see God working over these last few weeks and how beautiful that is. I, I love what God is doing here. And certainly thank you to all of you that stepped up and did extra over these last couple of weeks to make it all work. Um, but just, you know, it's such a beautiful reminder. God is at work. God is the one running this church. God is the one who is making it do what he has called it to do. And that is wonderful. So, um, I've been feeling a little fuzzy lately. Um, it's November, right? Isn't that it? No Shave November, I think, is how it goes. Um, so, I, as if someone's watching tonight that hadn't heard, I, I've had the chicken pox, and so I seem to have taken on the spirit of No Shave November, but it's not November so it doesn't raise any awareness. Um, it, it does provide me with the opportunity, and speaking of which, I think I might just sit down here. Let's see here. Ah, yeah, that's better. Uh, it, it does provide me with the opportunity to mention, though, how much I have struggled over the last few weeks, because I want awareness of that, right? You know, it's been a rough few weeks, and I'm going to live it up here, right? Okay, I'm back, but I want you to know, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Why do we do things? Well, we do them for lots of reasons, but when you think about something like No Shave November or Race for the Cure, or, or there's all these different things that we do. What is the buzzword that people talk about? It's awareness. Now, I want to be clear from the get-go that there are times that people do these things and are doing them for all the right reasons, and I know a lot of them do a lot of really good things. But something was striking me. I was reading about No Shave November. And if you look at what are they raising money for, the first thing it says is to raise awareness. So they're raising money to raise awareness so that more people presumably will participate to raise more awareness. And it got me thinking of something a friend of mine had said a number of years ago, which is... We spend an awful lot of time raising awareness on things and not doing anything. Now, again, I know sometimes awareness leads to doing, and so I'm not trying to criticize that in the least, but it did strike me as I was reading that, that here's a charity that is saying its main purpose is to raise awareness. And you think, well, okay, it's good to let people know that cancer is a serious thing, but but how about we actually raise money for research to cure it as opposed to just raising awareness? We do that in all kinds of areas in life. And, and what really had me thinking about that is how much in our society today we spend time raising awareness of whatever it is that we care about. And it might be a social media profile change with the little banner that goes over. I've done that. It might be sharing something. It might be wearing the t-shirt. We spend a lot of time letting people know what we care about in those sorts of ways. 
people started to call this virtue signaling, right? I want people to know I care about the right thing. So what I'm going to do is wear this shirt, wear, put this banner on my social media, go to this event, so people know that I care. Now, sometimes it's doing a really good thing. And tonight we're turning to Matthew 6 once again as we wrap up our series, and we're going to be talking about fasting. And fasting can be a very good thing. But the problem that Jesus puts his finger on here that he wants us to be thinking about, it's just like all these things I've been talking about. Cancer research is good. Raising money for it is good. Uh, Raising money for other tragic things is good. But oftentimes what we're doing is that we want people to know we care, and that's our focus. And likewise, oftentimes when we fast, what we're trying to do is make sure people know we care about God. And Jesus wants us to ask the question, is that really what it's about? What do we do in life? What, what's motivating us to do the things we do? And when we think about it, maybe we could frame it this way. Where is my reward? What is it that I'm looking to get out of the things I do? Am I looking for other human beings to say, well done. That's great. I am so glad that you're conscientious about this cause. I'm conscientious about this cause too. And so, you know, I participate in No Shave November or I participate in this race or that race. I do this. I, I, you know, I stayed up for 36 hours straight for, for awareness about uh, insomnia, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and so now we, we can praise each other for our awareness or are you trying for something else? And in the case of the things that the Bible calls us to, is my reward God? Is his pleasure what's driving me? So that's what Jesus is going to, to call us to think about tonight. And as we prepare to do that, would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of your word, for the truth that we find in it. Lord, as we we talk about fasting, would you help us to think more broadly than that and think about everything we do? Lord, are we doing it for your glory? Why are we doing it? Would you redirect our hearts where our hearts are selfish? And help us to see that true joy comes in you and you alone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's take a look. We're going to jump backwards a little bit from where we've been. Jim and Tim took us through verses 19 through the end of the chapter over the last couple of weeks. And if you think about what they've been talking about, Jim talked about where, we, what, where our treasure is. Tim talked about anxiousness. And it really all comes back, the whole chapter actually, chapter 6, the, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount comes to this one important topic, which is where is our focus? And so here we are, we are on the last Sunday before the season many Christians refer to as Lent, a time when people think about fasting. I think it's a perfectly appropriate time. It wasn't, this was not actually planned. This was God working. We're going to talk about fasting tonight. That was not my plan. I I try to plan all these things out and the best laid plans, God has better ones. So let's take a look at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 6. We read these words. And when you fast... Let's uh, get my remote on here. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
Now, Jesus is referring to a very common practice in that time. Fasting is a bit of an unusual practice today. It's not that Christians don't do it, but it's certainly not the sort of thing that... We, we talk a lot about prayer. We talk about some other spiritual disciplines a little bit more. That's been a, a, something that's been big the last 10 years, trying to revisit spiritual disciplines. We talk about giving, of course. And we, did, we did a few weeks ago talking about what Jesus said here about giving to the poor. We don't talk as much about fasting. But they thought a lot about it at the time. And, and for example, the Pharisees and those who followed them would fast twice every week. Fast on, I believe it was Mondays and Thursdays. And so twice a week they would withhold food for the purpose of following this call to spend time before God in prayer and fasting. And so they would do that. For example, uh, we, we see that referred to in Luke 18 that they were doing this. And here's what they were doing. And we see this with so much of what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees would, would go and fast, and what they would do is they would make sure everyone knew they were fasting. You need to know, I am hungry. <laughs> Did I tell anyone I'm fasting today? I am so hungry. Come on, bring on the food. But no, I'm not because I'm holy. Now, they didn't just talk about it, though. They made themselves look the part. And so they would withhold any kind of, of grooming of themselves. Uh, that's actually one of the things on No Shave November. It used the term, avoid grooming for the month of November. That will raise awareness. Well, I guess it would, and it does, right? Because if you just look completely disheveled, what's it going to do? It's going to make people say, huh. I wonder what's going on there. Now, if the people doing it are Pharisees, and it just so happens on Mondays and Thursdays, they always look disheveled, there's a couple of possibilities. Maybe they have wild parties on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. These are the Pharisees. They weren't doing that. So they didn't really need to say anything. People could look at them and say, boy, look at them. They look so miserable. I, I don't know if I could reach that level of holiness. And what they were doing was ensuring that uh, as people looked at them, they looked at the Pharisees and said, wow, look at those holy men. I, I, I someday hope to have a fraction of the holiness uh, of, of those men. I like what D.A. Carson says about this. He says, they wanted the plaudits of men and they got them. And that's all they got. Sort of like if you invest money into a CD. That hasn't been as useful in recent years because interest rates have been so low, but you go and you invest and it says it's going to provide... Actually, interest rates are up. It's like 4.5% right now, I saw. Wow, that's, that's getting better. Um, so you say, okay, I'm going to invest in that. And it's a one-year CD, 4.5%. You say, great. And you calculate how much money you're going to make from that. You say, oh, this is good. And then you say, but I want the money after a month. And so you withdraw it. Well, you get the money back, minus penalty, but you don't get your 4.5% because you, you withdrew it. The Pharisees were, had their spiritual bank account and they were putting the money in. They said, oh, this is good. We want to do the things that God calls us to do to be faithful. I'm going to put money into that spiritual bank account. And they, they had at least an idea of the blessing that comes from being 
a, a follower of the one true God. And, and yet they said after a little while, but I want some of that back right now. And they start pulling it out. They got what they wanted in the moment, but they lost sight of what was really good. We do it too. Where am I doing stuff? This is, a, this is not a fun question to ask yourself. It certainly wasn't a fun question to ask myself. Where am I doing stuff so that people will react? Where am I saying things so that people will respond? And, and our culture is feeding this narcissistic part of ourselves like mad because what do we have that we spend so much time with? It's social media. I am going to say something and I'm going to get response. Now, if I say non-controversial things that are said in a non-controversial way, or I post pictures of completely ordinary circumstances, what's going to happen? Not much, right? People are going to scroll by. And then the algorithm, the dreaded algorithm that decides whether you are seen or not in the world of the online will decide that you're not worth seeing because no one's responding. So what do we do instead? We post things that will actually get response. And if you look at the Christian use of social media, there is a ton of this. And we're going to do it one of a few different ways. One will be, I am going to be so bold and obnoxious with my faith that people have to respond, especially, especially those pagans out there that don't believe. I'm going to make sure they know where they are. Does it get response? Yeah, it does get response. So it feeds that, ah, yes, I'm getting response. And if I told you it doesn't do something to me when I post something and I, get, I see the likes or the hearts or the care little emojis or whatever coming in. If I said that didn't matter to me at all, I would be lying to you. I, I, li- I, I like seeing them. It feels pretty good. Hey, people like what I had to say. We don't say things so no one responds to them. Sheesh, you've heard me say for years on Monday nights when we do steadfast, uh, hey, would you give it a like or a share? Now, I'd like to think, I hope the reason I'm saying that is because I'd like more people to hear the ministry of the gospel that we're doing. And I can tell you truthfully, that is at least part of the reason I say it. And for that reason, I do hope that you'll like and share. But if I confess, does it make me feel really pretty good when someone likes and shares? Yeah, it does. They're done response on it. It's like taking a drug. It has the same response in our brain when people respond to the stuff that we post, when we create awareness, when people say, ah, yes. Sometimes it's to, to get praise. We post something and we want people to say how great it is. Sometimes we want to make people mad. We post that obnoxious post. And, and, and you know, part of it is people saying, oh, wow, how brave you are, the praise part. But sometimes it's just, I'm going to say something and I know most of the response I'm going to get is angry. But if I can get a response, at least I'm getting a response. That's not just on social media. We do that in real life, too. We're a little more subtle, usually, about it. Maybe it is that shirt that we wear. Maybe it's how we let people know that we're going to be tied up in church. I'm sorry, I can't meet you at this time. I'm going to be at church. 
You hear the, the, the angel chorus? Yeah. What's the reason that we do it? Now, I'm not saying hide the fact that you go to church. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, Pastor Tim said, if we go to church, make sure no one knows. Drive around the city for two hours beforehand, making sure no one is tailing you like in a spy movie. Then come in and make sure you have an alibi that says you're someplace else. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Not that at all. Oftentimes, it's a, a great opportunity to share your faith in a culture that isn't willing to receive it, usually just by saying what you're doing. But make sure that the reason we say it is because we need to, because it's helpful and not because we want people to say, oh, well, you're a pretty good person then. Where do we do that? Where do we want praise? Where do we want to be the martyr? Where do we want some kind of response? And the response that we're doing, the reason we're doing it isn't because it's right or wrong. It isn't because it's glorifying to God or not. The reason we're doing it is because we want response from people. That's what the Pharisees were doing with their fasting. Here's the problem. It isn't to fast or not to fast. It's that while they were doing all this outward display to make sure that people knew that they were fasting, what they weren't doing was actually changing. They weren't letting the Spirit of God move them in the direction that the Spirit of God wants them to move. Are we? Isaiah 58 Verse 3 says, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? This is what the people of God are asking of God. Here's the response. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high it's such the fast that I choose a day that for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. What's God really looking for? What is fasting itself an instrument to? It's to help us to, to better commune with God, to better see that he is calling us to these sorts of faithful things. He's not saying to never fast. In fact, there are at least a few biblically commanded times that we find uh, for fasting. And even in the New Testament, we see times where, for example, they were seeking leadership direction in the church. What did the apostles do? They, they fasted and they prayed. But why were they doing it? They're doing it because they wanted to spend the time seeking the Lord. They wanted to, to understand him better. They wanted to, to be more like him. That was why they were fasting. Not so people say, wow, look at you, you're fasting. How many of you eat junk food for reasons of your health? Anyone eat junk food to be healthier? 
three bags of potato chips to a healthier life. French fries, a day, uh, French fries every day keep the doctor away. Hot dogs for endurance. We don't do that, do we? Well, usually. I'll tell you a story about one of my friends. I, I know he would not want me to identify himself in this because, well, we'll get to that in a moment. I had a friend when I was teaching at Lindenwood. We would often, two or three times a week, eat lunch together. We would we'd get done with our classes and, and we'd go into the cafeteria and, and we'd sit down and have a nice conversation. He was a believer. We'd talk about uh, whatever was going on in his life and my life and pray together and, and talk about just the Bible together. We were in a faculty Bible study together. It was, it was really great. And then I remember it came to spring one year and all of a sudden he was never available at lunchtime. He always had a meeting. I'd say, hey, would you like to go have, have lunch? And he'd say, I'm sorry, I have a meeting at that time. And, you know, he, he did have meetings at that time. He wasn't making that up. He, he had meetings, and then he had more meetings. And I thought, I'm starting to think, I wonder if I somehow offended him. Maybe, maybe he's intentionally scheduling meetings to be unavailable so we, so we can't have lunch together. So I, I said to him one day, did I, did I offend you in some way? It seems like you're never available at lunch. He said, I'm just, I, I just have had these meetings. Uh, he didn't. He clearly didn't want to elaborate, but it was friendly otherwise. And and then I think he did suggest, well, why don't we just why not come over to your office? We'll chat the next day or something. And so we did. And so I thought, well, it seems like everything's fine. I, I don't know. I don't understand this, but didn't understand it until I got an email from him um, after about forty days. I think it was thirty-nine days later after this started. And, and the email was asking me to pray for him, and it had been composed by his wife because he was in the hospital. And it turned out that my friend had been fasting. He took very seriously what Jesus had said. You're not supposed to go around declaring that you're fast. So what did he do? He, he, he knew that he had myself and a few others that liked to have lunch with him. And he didn't want to go around saying, well, I can't eat with you. I'm fasting. So he, he scheduled meetings at those times so he wouldn't have to lie and he wouldn't have to say what he was doing. And he went a little too far. And, and he tried so hard, he, he, he'd gone, he actually went without food for that whole time. He only drank water with lemon juice in it. And the reason, this shows how far he was willing to go to try to take this seriously, what Jesus had said. He'd read that lemon juice kept the bad breath that often comes with fasting down so that we wouldn't know what he was doing. He didn't want us to know that he was fasting. And so that's why he wouldn't want me to identify him in this story, not because he's embarrassed about it, but because he, the only reason he told me is that he, his body couldn't take it any longer. And I think if I were going to critique one thing about what he, he did is that I think he really felt like if I can't make it to 40 days like Jesus did, I am somehow a failure spiritually. I, he, he was so thankful for how God was working in his life, he wanted to actually go 40 days without food. So guess what? And uh, my question a few moments ago wasn't just random. The doctor said, you know the thing that you need to do? He said, you need more of those preservatives they stick in fast food. Apparently, actually will help with getting his electrolytes rebalanced and so on after this. So the doctor actually told him, go eat fast food. So for the next few months, he'd call me up around lunchtime and say, hey, I, I need to work on my health today. Would you go eat some fast food with me? One day he was feeling a little weak, so he said, would you run up to Quick Trip? Let's go get some pretzels. I need some good healthy food. 
And so that's what we did. We had junk food for health. But it was all because of his desire to be faithful to the Lord. And so I, I found myself thinking about that as we were looking at, at this passage, that here was a man who was truly seeking to be faithful to the point that he did everything he could to make sure no one knew what he was doing to be faithful. He didn't want any praise. He didn't want people to say, wow, look how spiritual he is. He just wanted time with God. Isn't that really actually what we should want? I'm not telling you to go fast for 40 days. That's why I include the rest of the story. Be careful. But how beautiful. We're called not to live for the virtue signaling of other people around us, but to live in virtue before God. Verse 17 of Matthew 6. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying act normal. If you are doing something, and it doesn't have to be fasting, if you are seeking to pray more, if you are seeking to give more, if you are seeking to go to church more, act normal. If you are seeking to love your neighbor better, don't go tell everyone, especially the neighbor you're trying to love better, I'm really trying to love you better, neighbor. You're making it hard. Don't, don't try to do that. Don't try to do that. Don't let people know the good things you're doing. Do them for God and His glory. If someone finds out, don't be embarrassed. And it's certainly okay if you're serving faithfully and someone says, well done, I appreciate that. That's okay. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's talking about where we're trying to put it out there so that you can praise me. Act normally. And make sure that the reason we're doing it is for a chance for self-reflection, a, a chance for confession. Why did they fast? They fasted to repent. They fasted to pray. They fasted so that the only thing they were thinking about for that day or period of days was the Lord. When we do things, is that why we're doing them? I am going to set aside time for prayer is that because I want to spend more time actually with God or because I feel this legalistic weight that I'm not praying enough? Is it so that I can spend more time understanding God's will for my life or so that people will think, look, here's someone who's holy? What's the reason I'm doing it? And if, if we frame it in the way that's clearly seen in Scripture, certainly in the New Testament, we should direct it towards seeking God's will. We don't just do it to do it. We do it with direction. God, help me understand where I'm supposed to be going right now. Help me understand those people who, if you have leadership over people, if you're a teacher, if you're serving here at Little Hills and you're encouraging people, if you're, if you're on your neighborhood uh, improvement board, whatever it might be, make sure that, it's so that you're, saying, you're spending time, God, help me to better understand where you're leading me. It's not about punishing the body. Sometimes we turn it into this weird asceticism. And, and I, I don't say that to criticize someone who does, 
but rather to say that's what we naturally do as human beings. And, and I, I think my friend at some point, I mean, he, he knew he was having some health issues in response to this, but he thought, I have to do this for faithfulness. And I, I, I know this man, I, I love him, he is so genuine, I have no doubt that it's exactly what he was doing. But he'd come to believe he needed to accomplish this to please God. A beautiful sentiment. But if I had known earlier that he was struggling with some health issues that he was going about this, I would have said, God loves you. He hears what you're trying to do. He knows what you're trying to do. He doesn't want you to wreck your body over it. He doesn't want you to either. It's not about the, I mean, there were the ascetics who found all kinds of ways to be uncomfortable. Do you ever hear about, there was a man who spent his life sitting on top of a, a pillar in Egypt. He just stayed up on top of the pillar. That was his particular form of proving, it was a sort of fast. He was fasting from normal society and he was fasting by, in the sense that he gave up his privacy. He was just a man on a pillar for decades. That's not what God's calling us to do. I'm not doubting his sincerity. There were a lot of people that did extreme things for the right reasons. That's not what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to faithfulness. That's what he wants. When we get away from trying to bring on sort of a martyrdom upon ourselves or, a, or think, I need to suffer more, and instead think, this is an opportunity. Okay, I'm going to fast for the day. That means I'm going to have more time to pray, more time to read God's word, more time just to be silent and hear God. If that's what we do, wonderful. If, you have, if you're diabetic, for example, and you can't fast for a day, you have some other health issue. doesn't have to be food. What can we do that actually is about focus? See, once we realize what it's about, and it's about focus on God, it's not about focus on, of human beings, and it's not about achieving some level of pain in our lives, but rather focusing more on God and what he wants in our lives to bring about that virtue of the kingdom so that, that we're lights in the world. It, it changes the equation somewhat in how we think about what we can and can't do in regards to it. We need to think about the point. One of the, the most obvious fasts in our culture is one that takes place every Lent, uh, and that is the culture of eating fish on Fridays, the, the tradition of eating fish on Fridays. And, and certainly in a town like St. Louis, a very Catholic town, our, our, our Catholic brothers and sisters, certainly the, the more faithful ones at least, take this very seriously. I'm not going to eat any meat on Fridays. Okay. Now, I happen to love fish fries, and I have spent years going to the fish fries that happen every Lent, not out of any pursuit of holiness, I have to confess, but because I really enjoy eating the food. And when you actually go to one, you start to wonder exactly how much of a fast is this? I'm not criticizing it because I go to them. I, I really, I, I love them. I could tell you some really good ones if you're looking for some place to go for fish on Friday nights the next uh, six weeks. But, and I, I failed to put uh, up the photos, but if I showed you some of the plates that I have when I go to these places and I put the word fast over it, you'd say the only thing fast about it is how, much you, how fast you put the food on your plate. Nothing fasting about it. I'm really enjoying it. 
And then the desserts, the homemade desserts. Oh, the desserts. I love those desserts. What's the point? Well, I could say, well, I eat fish on Fridays. Aren't I holy? But I can't really say that because I realize the reason I'm eating fish on Fridays is because I, I enjoy the excuse to do something a little different as far as the food goes, and, and it's really good, and it only happens this time of year. And so what are you going to do? You're going to, I'm going to eat fish, and I'm going to enjoy it. It's not fast for me. It's not, it's, not more, it's not so-called mortification of the flesh, and it's not even what we've been talking about which is spending the time focusing more on God, I'm focusing on where do I want to get the fish tonight. Now, another common fast I've seen a lot in our culture is the social media fast. I was talking about social media earlier, and you may say, well, this sounds like, okay, you tipped the scales earlier, Tim, when you were talking about social media. I am going to go on a social media fast this year. So come Wednesday... What am I going to do? I'm already composing my status that I'm going to post in my head to announce that I am going on a social media fast for Lent. Now, I'm not trying to, I know people that do this, and I'm not trying to question their sincerity. But does anything with what we've been talking about strike you when I just said that? I am going to go and use a public platform to declare that I am fasting from the public platform. And I think it shows how we miss what fasting is about. And again, I'm not questioning. I know there are people who are sincerely doing this. They're thinking, I spend too much time on social media. And so I'm going to to take a break for Lent. I was thinking about that. And I thought, well, what would be the the way to take take Jesus to heart in this and do that? And what struck me was one thing we could do, a lot of times, I I think we think we're more important on social media than we are. And and really, quite frankly, most of us could could just log off for 40 days and no one would even notice. Or a week. It doesn't have to be for 40 days. For a day. For the evening. Can we do it? I don't know. Now, here's another thought, though, I had. You know, one thing that we might do when we think about what fasting is really about, one thing we could do that would be better, I'd actually argue, maybe than even the social media fast, what if we did a social media anger fast and said, I'm going to commit that I'm not going to share, I'm not going to respond to, I'm not going to to get involved in the angry things that get posted online, even the ones that resonate with me, even the ones that are on whatever side of the political aisle I'm on. What am I going to do instead? The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go on. If I see someone post a prayer request, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to maybe post some scripture. I'm going to try to actually make my social media a light And I'm going to reject all the worldliness that normally creeps into it for whatever period of time. What if we did that instead? We didn't have to say anything. We don't have to announce, for the next 40 days, I'm not going to be angry on social media. For the next 40 days, I'm going to post Bible passages and pray for people. Maybe just do it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that happens when we actually are directing this in the way that Jesus intends for us. Here's what changes we actually start to think more like Jesus. 
Because you know what would happen if we spent the next few weeks saying, I'm not going to share political posts. I'm not going to get angry about politics. I'm not going to watch cable news, at least at night when it's just opinion. You know what would happen? We started to love people more. And if we started to spend that time instead in God's word, we, started, we spent that time praying for people, we spent that time encouraging people, you know what would happen? I think it would stick. I've, I've talked a number of times, including last Monday night, about the He Gets Us campaign. I'm sure you've seen the ads, but you know something that really strikes me is if you go to their site and you click on the merchandise tab, they have a store like, like every ministry seems to have nowadays, they won't take any money. If you go on the merchandise tab, you can get a nice t-shirt, you can get a nice hat, nice sticker. And you know what they're going to ask you to do? You have to pick a price. Price is love your enemy. Spend time with someone who's hurting. Pray for people. They're asking us to actually do the things that matter to God. And they're not doing that so you just get the shirt and then you go back to being angry at people. They're doing that in hopes that we keep doing it. That's what we should be doing whether we're fasting or praying or being at church or or serving in the community, whatever it is. May it be that we're, we're trailblazing, focused on God's kingdom and seeing it spread, seeing more people know who God is, seeing more people understanding that God loves them and that we spend less time trying to make people love us. That's what it looks like to be a trailblazing Christian what my prayer is for this church, that we would trailblaze. We wouldn't spend time trying to bring glory to ourselves or to this church, but we'd spend time bringing glory to God. May, be, may that be what we do each day. We can only do it with God's help. So let's come before God now and ask for his help. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. You have shown us love beyond anything we can possibly describe anything we can possibly do. Lord, would you help us to, to redirect our thoughts that we might, might make much of you and your glory and we might point people to you and not point people to ourselves. Lord, whether it's in the coming season, if, if we choose to observe that, whether it's at some other point in the year, if we feel led to, to do something, whether it's fasting or, or trying to schedule more prayer or or doing something extra in ministry, or whatever it might be, Lord, would you help us to do it that you might see it, not with the goal that people would see it and praise us. Lord, would you help us to want to be those who seek after you and your kingdom? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.